None of the climate models on which the UN IPCC depends predicted anything like that. The assumption behind global warming fears is that human emissions of CO2 drive global warming. But in fact, while we can have a rather steady increase in CO2, we have ups and downs in temperature, and in the, in the last seven-year period from 2001 to the present, the trend is steadily downward at the same rate as the warming trend that occurred before it over the previous 20-some years. That downward trend is opposite to the upward trend in CO2, which is very difficult to reconcile with the assumption that our human emissions of CO2 are driving climate change. Man-made CO2 emissions, in fact, have very little influence on global temperature. CO2's contribution to overall greenhouse effect is minuscule, and human contribution to CO2 is minuscule compared with natural contribution. Therefore, man-made CO2 contribution to warming must be minuscule as well. Roughly 95% of the greenhouse effect comes from water vapor and clouds. 3.5% comes from CO2, and the remaining 1.5 or so percent comes from methane, nitrous oxide, and other gases. Of the total uh, CO2, 3.5% part, only about 117 thousandths of 1% comes from man-made CO2. That is a tiny, tiny portion and not sufficient to cause any dangerous warming. Furthermore, CO2's warming effect is not exponential or linear, but logarithmic. In other words, each new unit of CO2 absorbs less infrared heat radiation uh, bouncing from the surface of the Earth back out to space, which is how the Earth cools itself, than did the last. There's an exponential curve on the left side there, a linear curve on the right side, but here's a logarithmic curve. A logarithmic curve starts out steeply and then it levels off. And that's how CO2 absorbs radi infrared radiation going out towards space. The sort of a blue fuzzy part in the middle there is roughly where we are now in atmospheric CO2 concentration. And that's around 385 parts per million at this point. That's near the saturation point. In other words, no matter how much more CO2 we add to the atmosphere, it can't significantly warm the Earth from that point forward. Recent studies show that so-called climate sensitivity is low. Climate sensitivity is the phrase used to refer to how much warming you expect from CO2, the greenhouse effect from CO2, after feedbacks, after the various different things that the climate system does to either increase or decrease other effects in it. I've just listed a few articles there that discuss that issue, but there are many others as well. Indeed, climate sensitivity is probably only about one-sixth what the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change claims. Half a degree centigrade instead of three degrees centigrade. That's uh, the conclusion of a paper by MIT meteorologist Richard Lindzen and his partner Yang Sang Choi. With no greenhouse effect, Earth's average surface temperature would be about zero degrees Fahrenheit. With the greenhouse effect but no feedbacks, it'd be about 140 degrees Fahrenheit. In neither case would we have <laughs> 
very good situation for life, right? But with both the greenhouse effect and natural climate feedbacks, it's about 15 degrees Fahrenheit, or I'm sorry, centigrade, 59 degrees Fahrenheit, okay? Um, that means that climate feedbacks to the natural greenhouse effect are strongly negative, not positive. They eliminate about 58% of the greenhouse effect. But the fears of dangerous global warming all rest on the assumption that the feedbacks are net positive, not net negative. So it's highly unlikely that the climate models are correct in assuming net positive feedback. Temperature increase from doubled CO2 without feedbacks is about 1.2 degrees centigrade. With feedbacks, it's about half a, uh, half a degree centigrade. And no scenarios suggest dangerous warming from such a climate sensitivity. I must finish up quickly here. Temperature leads CO2, not vice versa. If you've ever seen Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth, you saw a graph just like this one that shows there's a strong correlation between temperature and CO2. The problem is he gets the causal relationship backward. CO2 follows temperature, lagging it by about 800 to 1,000 years. The reason for that is that the oceans emit CO2 as they warm, but they're so massive that they take a long time to do the warming. If CO2 drives temperature, it has to rise before temperature, but that's not what happens. Natural solar and planetary cycles can explain climate change without CO2, and I list some there for you. As one example, consider the correlation between what's called the Pacific Decadal Oscillation and temperature over the last 110 years. According to climatologist Roy Spencer, that can explain 75% of 20th century global temperature change. Here's, here's a graph showing that that Dr. Spencer has prepared. You can see much of his work at drroyspencer.com. He's not only one of the world's leading climatologists, but also a wonderful evangelical man and a very close friend of mine. Solar variants correlate strongly with temperature, CO2 not at all. You can see just in this case for the Arctic region, temperature goes up and down and up and down while CO2 rises fairly steadily, but temperature and solar variants correlate very well. From these facts, we can deduce these three conclusions. One, while human-induced CO2 increase surely contributes something to global temperature change, it is not a significant cause of global, war, uh, global uh, uh, temperature changes. Natural, solar, and planetary cycles are the main causes. Nature, not man, rules the climate. Two, CO2 emissions reductions won't significantly reduce future temperature because A, climate sensitivity is only about half what the IPCC claims, and B, CO2 doesn't drive temperature anyway. And third, CO2 emissions reduction policy will harm, not help. It will harm by driving up the cost of energy and therefore of everything else, because we use energy in producing and transporting everything, especially for the poor, for whom energy costs are a larger proportion of spending than for others. And it'll waste hundreds of billions of dollars per year that could be better spent on pure drinking water, sewage sanitation, residential electrification, nutrition supplements, disease prevention, and other actions that would have far greater benefits at far lower costs. So I'm thinking if you get something like that can be, that can be used like a bioweapon, 
as you mentioned. Well, see, the idea would be for the secularists because they believe in climate change and we got to save the planet and we got to cut down on all these carbon monoxide emissions and CO2 and all that, uh, you know, where they even argue that uh, cows, cattle in the fields have to have fart bags put on them so they can cut down those emissions to save the atmosphere. Well, the thing is, what they really want is they need to have the Earth's population reduced down to about 2 billion. They say the Earth can maybe hold 2 billion, but right now we get, I think we're around 7 billion. So somehow you got to get rid of 5 billion people on the planet so that the, the climate won't explode in a way and will be destroyed. So you've got to come up with ways to reduce the Earth's population. And maybe a bioweapon of this nature might do the trick, you know, in that you have populations that if if the sperm count in men is wiped out, <laughs> it's going to be hard to have a baby. And then if, you, if you're getting a lot of miscarriages and pregnant women from the vaccines, well, that's going to stop those babies. And then uh, the periods are being, you know, messed up in women's bodies uh, because of this vaccine. Well, then that leads to more trouble with uh, human reproduction. So I kind of tie this in. That's just a, an idea. I've just kind of noticed that uh, in the side effects yeah. of these vaccines. Yeah. Perhaps a so-called coronavirus pandemic, or as I like to refer to it as a scamdemic, is not the problem. Maybe it's the people that are exploiting this situation who are the problem coming up with frauds and lies to deceive people so they can implement their globalist, global warming agenda to reduce the Earth's population with a vaccination from something that has a 99.97% chance of not killing you. But they make it into something like it will kill you, which is a lie. I mean, there are some deaths, but nowhere near on the magnitude that they're trying to make out. We have some information here that can be useful to people that need to understand history. If you understand history, then you realize that there are things that have killed a lot of people in the past, and actually in the not-so-distant past, like the last century, for instance. Another problem with this COVID panic caused by constant brainwashing by the leftist socialist media and lying politicians is people have lost their common sense and the use of their critical, rational thinking processes. People who've been brainwashed by lying propaganda can't see the obvious that is going on right in front of their eyes. Take restaurants, for example. Why are restaurants open at all if the COVID virus is so deadly? Why do people have to wear a mask if they are allowed to not wear them when they eat. Thus, if someone wants to enter a restaurant, wouldn't it make more sense to enter the restaurant eating a bag of potato chips so they don't need to wear a mask in the first place? If it is okay to not wear a mask, then why not eat everywhere you go so a mask would not be necessary? Following this logic. Look at this stupidity. People trying to eat with their mask on. That's what brainwashing will do for you. 
Another example is sports. Take football, for example. I recently watched a college football game, and it was hard to spot during this three-hour game almost anyone with a mask, either in the fan section, which you see here. Here's all these football fans, and they're not social distancing. They're yelling and screaming and yelling constantly, probably spit coming out of their mouth and everything else, and no one seems to be concerned about it. Now, here's another one. This is from an Arkansas college football game. It's a sideline shot. You can see the coach of the team there. He's not wearing a mask. None of the players are wearing a mask. The assistant coaches are not wearing a mask. It's not, it doesn't even seem to be a concern. Now, another thing about it is, let's say they were vaccinated, and we already know from an Oxford study and other medical studies that people who have been vaccinated have 250 times more viral load in their nasal passages than someone who's not vaccinated. So they carry much more virus infection or are considered to be super spreaders of virus once they've been vaccinated. But there seems to be no concern about this here. Now, here's another shot of uh, a coach complaining to the referees, close up, no social distancing at all. And of course, this goes on with the football players themselves. They huddle up and they don't have masks on and they're getting close to each other constantly, especially when you're in combat out there playing the game of football. No mask, none of this required. Doesn't seem to be a concern. Now, the stupidity of all this is uh, if COVID is such a danger, remember during the year 2020 at sporting events, you could see all these cardboard heads in the stands and they piped in a fake crowd noise. And what's happened to all this? Now you're starting to see real fans up close and personal with no mask. And this starts to show you how fast people forget. Doesn't it seem possible that this whole thing was a fraud from the beginning? And look at this one picture here. Here's a guy. He's the only live person in this picture. He's putting in cardboard shapes in the stands. Yet he's the only one stupid enough to be wearing a mask. There's no one else around him except these cardboard faces. And none of them are wearing masks. <laughs> Yet the living person's wearing a mask. I don't know. I just thought that was a funny stupidity that I noticed. But anyway, that's the problem with lying politicians and lying media that cause a panic over something that does not kill 99.9% of the people who get COVID. 99.97% are going to survive it whether they get it or not. So the whole thing is an absurdity. And people need to use their rational thinking and quit accepting brainwashing. Another example of all this brainwashing propaganda promoted by leftists in the media and in politics is an article that appeared in the Rolling Stone magazine. Now, Rolling Stone is a leftist pro-vaccination, pro-vaccine magazine. But anyway, they titled this Eric Clapton's anti-vaccine diatribe when it really wasn't a diatribe. It was just here he gets ill from taking the vaccine and he's complaining about it. But they, they call it a diatribe, blames propaganda for a disastrous experience. But Eric Clapton doesn't take the vaccination or the vaccines following it for no other reason than what he was told from the so-called propaganda. So he's just being honest about what's going on. He wasn't told the side effects of these things. 
But anyway, from Rolling Stone magazine, here's what Eric Clapton says. About six weeks later, I was offered and took the second AZ shot, but with a little more knowledge of the dangers. Nevertheless, to say the reactions were disastrous. My hands and feet were either frozen, numb, or burning, and pretty much useless for two weeks. I feared I would never play again. I suffer with peripheral neuropathy and should never have gone near the needle. But the propaganda said the vaccine was safe for everyone. In the letter, Clapton also discussed, then I was directed to Van Morrison. That's when I found my voice, and even though I was singing his words, they echoed in my heart, Clapton wrote. I recorded Stand in the Liver in 2020 and was immediately regaled with contempt and scorn. So vaccine propagandists who say it's safe and there's no side effects immediately turned on Clapton. Why don't the people pushing these mandated experimental COVID vaccinations, vaccines, and boosters warn people about all the many possible detrimental side effects that can and will occur as all these other drug producers who advertise on TV do, for example, click on this, drug commercials with horrible side effects 2.0, which is available on YouTube. And here you'll have plenty of drug commercials that'll show you all the side effects that take place. Here's just an example of one of them. Abilify is not for everyone. Call your doctor if your depression worsens or if you have unusual changes in behavior or thoughts of suicide. Antidepressants can increase these in children, teens, and young adults. Elderly dementia patients taking Abilify have an increased risk of death or stroke. Call your doctor if you have high fever, stiff muscles, and confusion to address a possible life-threatening condition, or if you have uncontrollable muscle movements, as these could become permanent. High blood sugar has been reported with Abilify and medicines like it. In some cases, extreme high blood sugar can lead to coma or death. Other risks include decreases in white blood cells, which can be serious, dizziness upon standing, seizures, trouble swallowing, and impaired judgment or motor skills. Hi, I'm Steve Kirsch. I'm executive director of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. I have no conflicts. Uh, advance to slide number four with the elephant. I'm going to focus my remarks today on the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, that the vaccines kill more people than they save. Today, we focus almost exclusively on COVID death saves and vaccine efficacy because we were led to believe that the vaccines are perfectly safe. But this is simply not true. For example, there were four times as many heart attacks in the treatment group in the Pfizer six-month trial report. That wasn't bad luck. There shows heart attacks happen 71 times more often following these vaccines compared to any other vaccine. In all, 20 people died who got the drug, 14 died who got the placebo. Few people notice that. If the net all-cause mortality from the vaccines is negative, vaccines, boosters, and mandates are all nonsensical. This is the case today. Death rates. Um, uh, let's slide number seven, advance uh, to the number seven in lower part. This shows that the all-cause uh, death light rate in, uh, in three cases. Only the VAERS numbers are statistically significant, but the other numbers are troubling. Even if the vaccines had 100% protection, it still means we kill two people to save one life. 
Four experts did analyses using completely different non-U.S. data sources, and all of them came up with approximately the same number of excess vaccine-related deaths, about 411 deaths per million doses. That translates into 150,000 people have died. Next slide would be slide number 11, uh, the nursing home. Now, the real numbers confirm that we kill more than we save. And I, will, uh, I would love everyone to look at the Israel Ministry of Health data on the 90-plus-year-olds where we went to, we went from a 94.4% uh, vaccinated group to 82.9% vaccinated in the last four months. In the most optimistic scenario, it means that 50% of the vaccinated people died and 0% of unvaccinated people died. Unless you can explain that to the American public, you cannot approve the boosters. Another thing people don't think about when it comes to all this brainwashing and pro-vaccination, pro-vaccine propaganda that's going on is the fact that they don't think about all the money that these guys are making in the uh, pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry. They're making tons of money off this whole COVID-19 so-called pandemic. And this chart here will show you some of the stats here as you look through it. You'll see things like approximately $40 to administer each dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, including additional doses administered on or after August 12, 2021. And you get various dates and you get the, the price tags here. You'll see $35 in there per dose administered in various examples uh, such as that. Now, just think about all the millions of people that are being forced to be vaccinated. And somebody's pocketing all this money per dose. Here we see a breakdown of all the prices. As you look down this page, I won't go into all the detail. What I suggest to our viewers here is that if you want to read all this information with all the statistics, just pause the page on your screen and then read it. Now, what about the price tags on the COVID-19 vaccinations? And this came in the MHE publication. That's the Managed Healthcare Executive, March 2021, Volume 31, Issue 3. And we see here vaccination companies have accepted huge government checks. And it gets into all these types of money the government's been paying these big pharma companies. $1.2 billion up front. We see... Uh, BARDA agreed to provide $456 million towards the company's research and development effort. The uh, federal government agreed to pay J&J $1 billion for 100 million doses and so forth. So you're seeing all kinds of money moving right into big pharma. And in fact, uh, at the bottom of this particular chart, we see the Loan Institute in Boston gave Moderna one of the Chagrelli Awards in January. The awards are for the, quote, worst examples of profiteering and dysfunction in healthcare, end quote. In regard to the propaganda and brainwashing that goes on with the effectiveness and safety of these COVID vaccines and boosters, vaccinations, if these are so great, how come the red Chinese don't use them for their people. You need to use your brains in critical thinking when it comes to these issues. Death by socialism, which includes communism and Nazi governments, and death by abortion, 
by the United States government. Now, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. That's one of the Ten Commandments given by God to the people of the world. It also says in the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, quote, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own consciences, as with a branding iron, end quote, we have people like this who hypocritically will lie because their consciences are seared. So lying and deceiving people is no big deal to them. Okay, now these estimates, which I picked up from Wikipedia, anyone can find this information on a Google search on the internet. Death by communism. That's actually socialism by economic class. And it is enforced by death by government. Okay, as we look here on the statistics, according to Klaus Goran Carlson, discussion of the number of victims of communist regimes has been extremely extensive and ideologically based. Rudolf Rummel and Mark Bradley have written that while the exact numbers have been in dispute, the order of magnitude is not. Although any attempt to estimate a total number of killings under communist regimes depends greatly on definitions. Attempts have been made. In 1978, journalist Todd Colbertson wrote an article in the Richmond News Leader, republished in Human Events, in which he stated that, quote, available evidence indicates that perhaps 100 million persons have been destroyed by the communists. The imperviousness of the iron and bamboo curtains prevents a more definitive figure. In 1985, we see the documentation saying, quote, number of people murdered by communist regimes is estimated at between 60 million and 150 million, with the higher figure probably more accurate in light of recent scholarship. In 1993, we see a figure of 60 million killed. In 1994, from the book Death by Government, it mentioned 110 million people killed by communist democide from 1900 to 1987. In 1997, in the introduction to the Black Book of Communism, quote, rough approximation based on unofficial estimates approaching 100 million killed in 2005, we see estimates given as low as 21 million to as high as 70 million. Quote, highest end of the plausible range of deaths attributed was up to 110 million. And of course, the last source there mentioning 2005 in Wikipedia shows from the communist democide between 1900 and 1999 from 110 million to 148 million by including their estimated 38 million famine deaths. Of course, that was instituted by Mao Zedong in China. We also see here, which was previously mentioned, the Black Book of Communism details the Marxist-Leninist death toll in the 20th century. Here's the breakdown. USSR, Soviet Union, 20 million deaths. China, 65 million Vietnam, 1 million. North Korea and Cambodia, 2 million each. Eastern Europe, 1 million. And around 3.5 million in Latin America. 
Africa, and Afghanistan. These figures understate those detailed by Professor R.J. Rummel in Death by Government. He finds that from 1917 until its collapse, the Soviet Union murdered or caused the death of 61 million people, mostly its own citizens. From 1949 to 1976, Communist China's Mao Zedong regime was responsible for the death of as many as 78 million of its own citizens. Okay, now let's take a look at the Nazis here. Death by National Socialism, the Nazis under Hitler. Socialism by ethnic race. Of course, Hitler taught that the Aryans were the master race. So it's just socialism by race, ethnic race, rather than normal communist socialists who do it by economic class. They're just two sides of the same coin. The Nazi Holocaust may have claimed up to 20 million lives, a figure far greater than previous estimates new research has revealed. The millions disappeared into a Nazi imprisonment and killing machine that covered a bloody swath of Europe and appears to have been far more deadly than has been thought. These numbers included captured Russian prisoners who were worked to death or starved to death and many others besides the Jews. Here we have another category, death by abortions. Abortion caused death by the United States government. The National Right to Life Committee, the nation's oldest pro-life organization, says it reached an estimate of 62,502,904 abortions by tracking data from the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, and the Glutmacher Institute, which previously served as a research arm of the nation's preeminent abortion provider, Planned Parenthood. Of course, these figures show 62 million babies have been killed in abortions since Roe v. Wade in 1973. Now the obvious question. Who's next? What will godless global elites and governments come up with next to get rid of large numbers of people in order to save the planet from so-called global warming. Now, speaking of global warming, we see here from data from climate.gov website, question, are humans causing or contributing to global warming? And of course, this information is from October 29, 2020. And of course, the answer to the question is, yes, by increasing the abundance of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, human activities are amplifying Earth's natural greenhouse effect. Virtually all climate scientists agree that this increase in heat-trapping gases is the main reason for the 1.8 Fahrenheit, 1.0 centigrade rise in global average temperatures since the late 19th century. Carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, ozone are all human-emitted heat-trapping gases. Among these, carbon dioxide is of greatest concern to scientists because it exerts a larger overall warming influence than the other gases combined. It goes on to say, at present, humans are putting an estimated 9.5 billion metric tons of carbon into the atmosphere each year 
by burning fossil fuels and another $1.5 billion through deforestation and other land cover changes. Of this human-produced carbon forests and other vegetation absorb about 3.2 billion metric tons per year, while the ocean absorbs about 2.5 billion metric tons per year. And it goes on from there. The effects of global warming are already bringing harm to human communities and the natural world. Further temperature rises will have a devastating impact and more action on greenhouse gas emissions is urgently required. Population and climate change are are completely linked. Each additional person increases carbon emissions. The rich far more than the poor and increases the number of climate change victims. The poor far more than the rich. Of course, then they put in all these changes. And as you can see, they talk about the climate change threat. Then they call for climate change action. They're worried about population growth. And they need to come up with a global policy. Global measures need to be done to deal with the population increase, so forth. Here's more graphs and charts. Population actions need to be taken on what needs to be done. Now, notice here on page 11 of this 14th thing, it says, Population growth must be addressed in all countries. So how are they going to reduce this population growth in all countries at the same time? Well, at least for global elites worried about climate change, get them all vaccinated, which should reduce the Earth's population. One of the demands of the Black Lives Matter is climate change. But when someone seriously investigates the scientific data regarding climate change that's being proposed by all these alarmists, we find a wholly different story. An outstanding website concerning this is www.cornwallalliance.org. It debunks climate alarmists who are using this pseudoscience non-issue to jack up energy costs, helping the rich to get richer while denying cheap energy to the poor. Forget climate change. Energy empowers the poor. Policies to fight global warming waste trillions of dollars and prevent poor countries from using fossil fuels to rise out of poverty and perpetuate the cycle of hunger, disease, and death. To put a limit on fossil fuels is to condemn the third world to perpetual poverty. Deepak Law. I agree. I um I actually found one valuable resource that's uh, America's frontline doctors has been uh, kind of cutting edge, uh, a group of uh, emergency room doctors, uh, and their, their ranks continue to grow. But they put out some excellent resources to educate people about this vaccine, what it's doing to people. They're warning people not to take the vaccine, um, but they also have uh, alternative treatments um, uh, for treating COVID, if people feel they've got this virus, uh, there are there are ways to treat it without having to rush yourself to emergency room and having a, a, you know a breathing tube put down your throat. So uh, there are resources to get uh, schooled on this topic. Um, right now, there seems to be there's a flood of information that's pouring out because people are discovering new side effects that are caused by these vaccines. And there's even talk of it. See, there was no five-year study done. No five-year study done. It was rushed through. And now they're trying to cram it down everybody's throats. 
Yeah, this is the experiment. This, this is the research. This is the experimental drug. There, the research is live with a huge swath of the population around the globe. So it, it is really, we're in for a strange new world because um, you know, obviously there's, you know, everyone can get a doctor to say whatever they want them to say. But uh, the best is to, 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 to be a Berean, to get in there and do your due diligence and to study these things because to, to turn on your television and follow what they're saying and just sit back and believe that's the truth is a scary place to be. You know, you've mentioned before that you've cut off all ties that I've done that as well now because it's just so full of propaganda. Oh, yeah. It's uh, brainwashing. It's just pure yeah. brainwashing. It's yeah. Like- I, I, <laughs> I heard uh, someone was interviewing an Amish man and they asked him, how come, you know, COVID-19 isn't uh, affecting your community? And he said, we don't have TV. So that, that kind of sums it up right there. You unplug your teeth, you know, COVID goes away. That's right. And the world is ungodly, and the world is run by Satan, who's a liar. They're going to attack you with lies. And they're going to attack your convictions about God, about man, about sin, about righteousness, about conduct, about morality, about everything, you have to have convictions. Second thing you have to have is critical thinking. Critical thinking. And I think for this particular period of history, this is what is most under attack. And let me tell you how to look at that. Universities these days, certainly in the humanities side of things, universities these days are concerned about ideologies. You hear a lot about that, an ideology. What do they mean by an ideology? It's just another word for a philosophy. But ideologies in the current climate are seductive and attractive to people because they are mindless. They are mindless. Here's how an ideology works. What's wrong in America? White privilege. What's wrong in America? Systemic racism. What's wrong in America? Abuse of women. They want you to buy into the fact that everything that's wrong in America can be explained by an ideology. They don't want you to think critically about it. What's wrong in America? Some people have money and others don't. What's wrong in America? Corporations are getting rich and people are being abused. What's wrong in America? It can be reduced to an ideology, a simple, single idea. This is stupidity. And universities are really bent on teaching people to be stupid. This is infantile. You can't say what's wrong in America and systemic racism, no matter what it is. If the bus doesn't show up on your corner on time, well, it's systemic racism. (laughs) If you have mold on your bread, well, systemic racism. That's the stupidity of that oversimplification of everything that is easy for people to suck up and be seduced by because it's a one-size-fits-all answer to everything and you can put your brain in a bag and bury it. 
You have to think critically. You have to understand. For example, give you an illustration. In the United States, 99.9% of the population survives COVID. That's a fact. You can't me mesh that up with the behavior they're requiring. How about this one? Get vaccinated. And you're saying to yourself, well, let's see, they lied about Russia. The FBI lies. CIA lies. The National Health Organization lies. The World Health Organization lies. The CDC lies. The, the director of all of this lies because he says something different every time he opens his mouth. The politicians lie. Uh, they lied about um, an incident in Chicago. They're just lies and lies and lies and lies and lies. And then they say to you, be vaccinated, it's good for you. <laughs> I know why people aren't getting vaccinated. Because people don't believe they're capable of being confident they're being told the truth. Simple. It's the old Aesop's fable about the boy who cried wolf, 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 wolf. There never was a wolf, and when there was a wolf, nobody showed up. You can't keep lying and then expect people to believe you. You have to think critically and thoughtfully and carefully. You have to realize, CDC reports death rate from the normal flu last year was 99% lower. Oh, really? What happened to the flu? Where did it go? It went into the COVID statistic. The chaos of deception and lies forces you, if you want to navigate the world in which you live, to think critically. Are, are there things wrong with capitalism? Capitalism can be abused just like socialism is abused. Anything can be abused because sinners are engaged in it. Any kind of relationships, any, any kind of anything in human relationships is going to have good, bad, and indifferent. But what they want you to do is accept the, buy the package and shut down alternative discussions. That's why they cancel culture, because they want you to buy the ideology, they don't want you to think critically. But we think critically, because we think biblically. And we have the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ. I'm a lawyer and I've been a trial lawyer for 26 years now. We, my, my firm and I, with some of the people working for me for 20 years now, um, we have been representing uh, consumers and small and medium-sized businesses against fraudulent corporations. Yeah. Because of this, because of this experience, uh, in particular with Deutsche Bank, which is one of the most criminal organizations in this world, um, I wasn't completely surprised at what was unfolding before our eyes uh, in the context of Corona, except this time it's not just one fraudulent corporation, but it's dozens and dozens uh, of fraudulent corporations, plus the politicians whom they managed to get under their control. There cannot be any doubt whatsoever, at least not for me, after 
having interviewed so many experts from all different fields of science, um, doctors, uh, virologists, epidemiologists, economists, lawyers, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, there cannot be any doubt whatsoever that what has been happening here for a year now, these are the worst crimes against humanity ever, ever committed. This is worse than what happened in World War II and of course in World War I. Uh, what's even worse is that so many people uh, are participating in this, um, the same type of people who participated some 80 years ago in what was then uh, going to be World War II. I'm not just saying this, I'm quoting this from uh, Vera Sharaf, who is a Holocaust sur survivor. She was a child then, she was in Auschwitz. Um, and she said, this is so incredible. I would never have believed that I'm once again going to have the very, to fight the very same people whom I fought uh, 80 years ago. This is, I, I know there's some people out there who, um, who may not quite work with actual evidence. Well, it's different with us because we have been speaking to all these scientists and other people over a hundred in the meantime and uh, this is all this is all replicable and what's going to happen is it will be replicated because those very same people who testified before our corona investigative committee can just as well testify be before the courts of law and they will we all know now i mean we should know um, those 10 or 20 percent of us who still have a brain to use and to think with <laughs> Uh, this has never been about the virus. This has never been about health. This has always been about uh, taking everything away from us so that we would be dependent on them, um, plus uh, population reduction, plus gaining complete control over those who are left. That is, I, I wouldn't have said this a year ago. A year ago, if mm. you had asked me, or if somebody had told me this, I would have said, hey, um, you definitely need to see a doctor. But no, this is what all the evidence, all of the people who we interviewed on the Corona Committee, what this points to, There's this conclusion is inevitable. What we're dealing with is probably 0. 0.00000 something, 1% of the population trying to, uh, trying to uh, gain control over the rest of the world. Um, this is not about money because this group of people, maybe 3,000, um, this group of people, they're the super rich. They have, in terms of financial assistance, they have much more than they need. They're not going to need to buy a tenth or a third yacht mm. or uh, the 20th Maserati or whatever. So this is not really about money. It is about money because they're using money in order to bribe people in the hospitals, the doctors, uh, politicians. Uh, they're also uh, using all kinds of sec uh, psychological techniques in order to uh, manipulate people or they threaten people, many politicians, some of them may be threatened, some of them may be getting bribed, but it's not really about money. They're using money as a tool. So what we think is they're, um, what they're really up to is you have to keep in mind that the very same people, we, a part of which we now call the Davos clique, you know, the self-appointed yeah. uh, political elite and the self-appointed uh, corporate elite. That is part of the people who we're dealing with. And this globalism is what got us here. Uh, we ended up with global um, 
what do you call them? What do you call the WHO, the um, World Economic Forum? These are private global organizations which have taken control over the entire world. Private organizations run by the super rich. I think this is, once people understand this, it's, it's not going to be too hard uh, to turn the tables. And those are the ones who are responsible for uh, the financial crisis some 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, had we been a little more careful, had we looked a little closer, we would have known that for 30 years, this group of people has been stealing the taxpayers' money all over the world. We should have been a lot more careful. The first financial crisis would have been the perfect chance for us to catch on to what's going on. They managed to tell us that they have everything under control. They didn't. Mm -hmm. But they started to print money in order to keep us quiet. We should have been, we should have known that you cannot print money in order to restore what they have stolen. It doesn't make any sense. Well, this time around, in late uh, 2019, I believe, uh, when things were again coming to a head and things were again uh, about to implode, um, they came up with Corona as a di diversionary tactic and. We have to keep in mind, however, we're not dealing with a monolithic wall on the no, other on the no. other side. There, there's lots of infighting. There's uh, contradicting interests, and uh, and that's another one another one of our chances that we have. And we're about to reach the tipping point, I think, uh, because there's so many mistakes that they're making. Because I don't think that the uh, all these adverse uh, reactions to the vaccines are part of the plan. And that's because they, uh, they're, they're trying to rush, rush this thing through. And I think what happened is they, we have a whistleblower, and she told us that uh, the original plan was to uh, roll this out in 2050. But then those who, um, who are involved in this got greedy and, and pulled things forward um, to 2030 and then to 2020. And that's why we think that that's why so many mistakes are happening. Because as I said, they mm. did not really, I don't think, and we don't think, they did not really intend these adverse re reactions uh, to happen and to warn even those people who are still sort of in line with the government. And as we all know now, this is not a vaccination. It's called a vaccine, but it isn't. The only reason why the European Union calls it a vaccine is because it's something that's being injected it's another one of those uh, sleight of hand um, tricks, uh, just like they changed um, the WHO changed the definition of a pan pandemic um, mm. uh, for, uh, exactly for this purpose, in order to create a pandemic during the swine flu. Um, and here they changed the definition of what a vaccine is by saying, of course, it's a genetic experiment, but since we're injecting it into people, it's not a genetic yeah. experiment anymore. It's a vaccine. It's extremely dangerous. I just um, got a press release from Professor Bhakti, who's one of the main players uh, in this. He, he's a specialist. Um, uh, he and a, a bunch of other doctors just published a press release today, and it deals with the side effects of these so-called vaccinations. Clotting and bleeding after vaccination uh, is the rule. And there, there are uh, many people, not just a few, many people who die, they suffer strokes 
and aneurysm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, but he's he's detailing this, even though this is just I'm going to mail it to you. This is mm. just a short press release, but it tells you that there's a huge fight going on, in particular here in Europe, also in the United States, about whether or not they can make this mandatory. At this point, they can't. When I when we talk about a a class action lawsuit, it's not just one. Uh, mm. Thus far, one has been filed in Canada, another one is on its way to be filed, and we're planning to file a couple of more. We, we means the colleagues, my Anglo-American colleagues, because I'm just one of the people who is trying to put together the evidence by filing many other lawsuits, many mm. other individual lawsuits, for example, in Germany, in order to, uh, in order to get the courts to say, Drusten is lying to you. He kept telling the world that his PCR test is great because it does an incredible mm. trick. It makes things visible that are not visible to the human eye by yeah. amplifying it. What we call the retraction paper, it, uh, its authors include 22 internationally highly renowned scientists. And as it turns out, what they're writing about the Drusden-Corman or Corman-Drusden paper, uh, the PCR test protocol, is so devastating. What they're saying is two things. Uh, the, it is completely unscientific, and the, the second thing is it looks as though it was done in such a sloppy way mm. on purpose for the sole purpose of producing as many false positives as possible all over the world so that their agenda which ends with the um, with the so-called vaccinations which of course we all know now it mm. doesn't have anything to do with vaccinations what, what we're dealing with is genetic uh, experiments the lockdowns are all based on the same Drosden test all of them all of them uh, because uh, his test was recommended by the WHO as the gold standard for the entire world and all of the other PCR tests that I think there are about three or five hundred in the meantime they all used his test as a blueprint mm. of course all of them know that these tests cannot tell you anything about infections but they're all making a lot of money so they, they don't care I've spoken with mm. a couple of these uh, PCR test makers of course they're not going to admit it in public but at least behind closed doors they admit it as much yeah. The second lie that was important for this whole thing to go down is also his invention. He claimed that there are asymptomatic infections, meaning people who show no symptoms whatsoever, mm. which is normally you're healthy, yeah. uh, they can be infectious. That was important for him to make everyone in the entire world afraid of everyone, no matter how healthy they look. It's ridiculous. And it is totally ridiculous. It mm. makes no sense because what are you going to do? If you if you don't have any symptoms, are you really going to go see a doctor just because of what this idiot Drusten says? What are you going to do? Mm. You're going to go see a doctor. I have something. I, I, I don't know what it is, but can you help me? Please tell me what I'm suffering from. The first question the doctor is going to ask you is, what symptoms do you have? Right. None. It doesn't make any sense. The good thing is that uh, in the meantime, we have two decisions. There are going to be more, mm. but we have two decisions by courts of law that say that uh, these uh, this Drusen test doesn't do uh, doesn't even come close to telling you anything about infections. Uh, the first decision is about uh, four, five, six months old. I think it was a decision by a Portuguese appellate court. 
which held that uh, these uh, Drosten tests, these PCR tests, can't tell you anything about infections. And the second decision is only two days old. We got it two days ago, I think, or maybe it was yesterday, uh, from a Vienna court. And it, again, holds very clearly that these tests cannot tell you anything about infections. Now, the big question is, how many more decisions do we need until the uh, class actions for damages are going to pick up real speed? They are pending, but they're going to be more such cases. And we are very optimistic right now because we can see all the mistakes that are being made by the other side, that we are close to a tipping point uh, so that this whole thing, um, the, uh, the power structure will be completely different after we reach this um, tipping point. And then we can, or the colleagues who are working on these um, uh, uh, class actions for damages, they're going to be able to concentrate on that. And th some of them, in particular in the, in the United States, have some pretty good ideas about mm. how, uh, how, they, how their different legal avenues to go after the pharmaceutical and the tech industry and maybe the financial industry as well. But in the end, it may very well turn out that we're going to have to have a special court because maybe, and there's a lot pointing in that direction, maybe the national courts will not really be able to deal with this because this is such a this is on such a magnitude. It's so it's so big that it is very possible that we're going to eventually need to have something like Nuremberg II. The reason why Europe is at the center of all this, this is probably the most important battleground uh, uh, in this whole war, is because Europe is completely, definitely, totally broke. The um, ECB is totally broke because they bought all this... Um, all these uh, bonds and, and papers that are totally, completely worthless. Mm. And what's even more important, uh, the pension funds, they're completely broke. Meaning, if people find out about this, that despite their uh, spending so much money on their uh, pensions, there's nothing left that's all stolen, mm. then we're going to have a real problem. And that's one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why they, why they're trying to get Europe under control before people understand what's really going on. The most important thing is to just spread the information, spread the truth, spread the facts to as many people as possible. Um, and don't waste your time on those people who are aggressively on the other side, who really want to get vaccinated. I mean, it's tragic. But we will, we will not be able to save everyone. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people will lose not just their livelihoods, but also their lives. We're, uh, we're, our hand is extended to them. So if they, if they change their minds, they're always welcome to come aboard. But those 10 or 20% of the population that I think we are in the meantime, maybe mm -hmm. more, maybe more people are beginning to ask questions, still wearing their masks not because they don't want to get into trouble. But uh, those 10 or 20% of the population were the ones who will turn the tables. And that's why we have to focus on uh, how, how, how can we do this best. And that's why we have to connect with each other. Uh, also, on a, this is surprising for me, but uh, I think it makes sense. Also on a spiritual level, if we lose, mm -hmm. that'll be the end of humanity, we believe. I mean, if we use, it means we as human lose to digitalism, and to completely stark raving mad people. That's why we won't lose. We cannot lose because we must win.
Yeah, that's what they want us to believe. Uh, that's why they invested so much money and so much effort into the uh, mainstream media. Mm. Uh, but as far as I can tell, if I look at Germany, um, it's the reality is completely different from what they're trying to make us believe. Uh, whenever I, for example, um, need a cab in order to go someplace in Berlin or here in Göttingen or any other place, and I think I've, I've uh, spoken to at least a hundred cab drivers, almost all of them immediately uh, tell me that, of course they know this is stupid, the mask is not doing anything, and they're not just doing this intuitively, many of them are actually well informed because they're not watching uh, public television, they're watching they're getting their information from the from the new, from the independent alternative media. The old media are pretty much dead. There's only point zero 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 something one percent of the population trying to gain control over all of us. We are, if it is ten percent, we're the best ones. I, I don't want to be, I don't uh, want to sound arrogant in any way, but I think this is true. And uh, the rest of the people, those who are falling in line, those who even want to get vaccinated. As I said earlier, it's tragic, but there's nothing much we can do about them. They mm -hmm. do not really play a role. Uh, it's tragic, but um, we cannot save everyone. They don't right. play a role for the other side at all. You know, yeah. the, only, the only role they play for them is that of cannon fodder or guinea pigs. The most important thing, as I said, is to get as much information as possible, to spread it as far as possible, and that I think that's only possible if as many people uh, as possible connect worldwide, because that gives a certain strength which goes far beyond that of the um, ability to exchange information. I think this is, even though it may sound stupid, this is strength on a very spiritual level. Since I'm not a religious person, but I have become to believe, I have come to believe that um, there is more, um, there are different levels of, of um, awareness uh, beyond the rational stuff. I, I see a much better world at the end of this tunnel. There is a light at the end of this tunnel, and that's a much better world because most of the things that we have come used to, the, our way of life, is very destructive, both on a personal level and on a global level. Uh, there's too much injustice, and uh, there's too many people trying to take advantage of other people. That mm. will change. That's the light at the end of the tunnel I can see. It probably also has to do with... Um, my legal hero, um, his name, he's, he's a former Supreme Court Justice of the United, Supreme, uh, United States Supreme Court. Uh, his name is Louis uh, Brandeis. A uh, hundred years ago, he took on two monstrous large uh, industries, the financial industry and the um, oil industry. And he said, because they were trying to cover everything up, and he said, sunlight is the best of disinfectants. And that is still true today. So the light at the end of the tunnel is the sunlight that we need in order to see what's going on and change things for the better. Mm. There has been progress. You have to look at the bright side. There has been progress because more and more people are beginning to wonder. That in itself is progress. Uh, we're winning some of the court battles. We will, we will win many more. 
uh, many people are connected with each other, as you said, who would uh, who would never have believed. I wouldn't have believed that I would be speaking to you, for example, yeah. that I would be having fun speaking to you. Yeah. Um, some of the people, some of the lawyers who we work with are just great people, not those idiot lawyers uh, who you wish uh, didn't exist, but really good people who are not in it for the money, but who are in it for the cause. And so many other people from all walks of life, uh, which... And it tells me that I've wasted my time when, for example, I went to uh, dinner parties, uh, small talking all the time. Right. That was a waste of time. I'm never, ever going to do that again. And maybe one day history will look back on us fondly. I think so. Absolutely. There are major problems with the implementation of the COVID injection with respect to violation of personal freedoms and liberties and bioethical violations. What better person to discuss this with than the inventor of the very technology that is being used for the messenger RNA vaccines? Dr. Robert Malone and I discuss in great detail the corruption, the conflicted interest, and the bioethics of what's happening with the implementation of the COVID injections. Welcome everyone. This is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we have a real treat for you. We have one of the emerging new heroes in the effort to um, reveal the damage and the dangers of the COVID vaccinations. And this is Dr. Robert Malone, who is uh, truly one of the most respected experts in this and that he is really the inventor of the messenger RNA vaccine. But he actually developed the, the platform, the technology that allows the mRNA vaccine to exist. Uh, let me give you a short history. Uh, interestingly, he's new to the field with respect to engaging in the dialogue. Uh, earlier this year, he wrote a short essay uh, when he had a conversation, shortly after he had a conversation with a physician in Canada who was explaining some of his challenges and didn't realize there was something he could do. Then he reflected on it and discussed it with his wife, Jill, and they wrote this paper on bioethics, which catalyzed an interview with Brett Weinstein in June on his Dark Horse podcast, which is the first time I saw him and was so impressed with his uh, ability to articulate very succinctly and accurately and expertly as to what was going on. But for doing that, he was nearly instantaneously removed from the history books. He was taken out of Wikipedia and his, uh, the, pretty much all the, his, the references of him Inventing the COVID or not the COVID messenger RNA technology was removed, and it was the, the, the uh, tribute was given to others. So he's uh, really got no horse in this battle other than to uh, tell the truth. Uh, he's a deep industry insider. He's got connections with the FDA, uh, Department of Defense, and he really knows deeply the, what's going on. I I kind of look at him as. A converted scientist, it, it converted to um, a, a, a an investigative journalist. Now that he's reporting on the truth with respect to this topic, and there's not many people who who would have been better prepared. He's got 30 years in this field. Uh, really, he's tr truly an expert. So, 
I am so delighted and excited to connect with you today. So welcome and thank you for joining us, Dr. Malone. I'm sure you're familiar with these terms, the difference between efficacy and effectiveness. Sure. So efficacy, just for your reader, your listenership that isn't uh, clinical trial specialists and docs, efficacy is, is what you measure in a structured clinical trial. Effectiveness is what you measure in the general population. So the information that's coming out now epidemiologically is effectiveness data. It's all comers. It's everybody's got vaccines. Efficacy data is highly, is, is really kind of contrived because when you write a clinical protocol for a clinical trial, you carefully exclude certain types of people and include other types of people. And what that results in is a biased sample. And you can be really creative in how you define your inclusion and exclusion criteria to skew how the results go in the resulting analysis. And there are many other ways, creative ways to do this. Now, normally, the FDA is pretty wise to all this stuff because they've seen it for decades and they know how to, to call BS on it when it happens. FDA, for some reason, I can't imagine, seems to have been asleep through this whole review process. And uh, that, that is going to have a long-term blowback. Uh, there's already, I think the Atlantic Monthly wrote an article about the FDA um, melting away. It's it, the ability of the, the FDA that we thought we had, um, you know, based on the whole history of thalidomide and everything else, this eagle eye carefully protecting the public, um, it has been deeply compromised uh, by this process of regulatory capture. And, the, you know, the game here, I, I live where I live so I can drive up to D.C., but I don't have to be in D.C. Uh, and I've got many buddies that are in regulatory affairs that do the, the game. And, and the way it works is you work for the FDA for about five or six years, and then you leave. You've got your chit. You know, I'm, I'm an ex-FDA guy. And you become a consultant for the pharmaceutical industry, and you join places like Biologics Consulting Group, which is currently headed up by the former head of the uh, vaccines branch of the Center for Biologics and Research, Research and Development, Norm Baylor. And the way that whole ecocycle works is that, you know, once you've been an insider, I play this game myself to some extent, you know, you can call up your buddies and get information and guidance and comments and stuff that the average Joe can't get. It, it, is, it is very much a ecosystem uh, where they're just like with Congress and congressional aides and White House staff and all that kind of stuff. There's kind of this revolving door uh, between industry and the regulators. It, USDA is the worst, in my opinion, with uh, you know years and years and years of leadership from Monsanto. Uh, but uh, I'm sure your your uh, Dr. McCullough's uh, constituency must fully understand what I mean when I reference uh, Monsanto in all of its various ways. But uh, this is the case with the pharmaceutical industry abundantly, is there is, is close and integral ties with this agency that has the dual task of both promoting the pharmaceutical industry 
and regulating it. And you kind of can't do both. And the people that the bureaucrats that do this, many of them, not the career ones, but many of them do this revolving door business because it's like going to a good postdoc lab or getting your PhD at Harvard or something like that. You spend your four or five years at FDA, you graduate and you go make the bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, like, or being a Supreme Court, court clerk or whatever. It's well, that's well, you, how you, these things work. You have insider information. So what's the typical salary increase from an FDA position to, in, to industry consultant? Well, these guys are often working in the um, between 80 and 120 range. Mm-hmm. So the government pays about 60 to 80% of market rate. And then when they get out, they can easily pop up to uh, 300, 400 uh, annually and, uh, you know, 350 to 500, 600. I know some consultants that uh, work for BCG that make 600 an hour. So it's, it's, uh, you know, the pharma doesn't hesitate to pay those bills. They, <laughs> they can afford it. Cash. <laughs> yeah, they have plenty of cash. And the same ecosystem now cycles. You know, pharma has done a great job capturing, capturing our federal legislature pretty much. Mm. I'm, I'm talking about Senate and House. Uh, we're, we're in a situation, and the, like with a lot of things, this was pioneered in the states, but it's now been turned on the world. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, um, I do believe this is a moment in history where we have a choice and it gets down to those bedrock. I think this is why so much of the conservative press are just lit up like crazy of this is, um, this is kind of bedrock bill of rights stuff, you know, uh, and, a skeptic might say that leadership in many of the Western democracies look at China uh, with envy. <clears throat> and, and they would like some of that. Uh, and I think as, as a population, we, we, you know, us middle-class folks and some, yes, I have a farm and I, and I have fancy horses, but they pay for themselves. Uh, and that's, you know, 30, 40 years of, of running small farms that taught me how to do that. Uh, I'm not, I'm not making a bunch of money off of that. And I don't have a great big bank account. So folks like us, and like I said, I used to be a laborer. I was a farmhand and uh, a carpenter. And uh, so for those of us that work with our hands and our minds and, uh, you know, grew up with the idea of a meritocracy we're now in a different world and, and do we want, do we want to uh, take a moment in, and really recognize that issues like freedom of speech and thought and uh, integrity of person and those kinds of concepts, or do we want to live in that world or do we want to live in an, an authoritarian world and reap the benefits of, uh, this authoritarian uh, business model, really, that the People's Republic of China uh, operates under, and uh, and uh, you know, shut up and get along. I I I don't want to live in that world. I'd rather be 
you know, be here on the farm, get my hands dirty, live with my wife and my horses and my dogs and not have the big uh, apartment in uh, Manhattan. And I guess this makes me a little bit like John Galt. Yeah. Or in Galt's Gulch. Back around. Galt's Gulch. So, <laughs> so we kind uh, of live on Galt's Gulch. Yeah. I guess house up on the hill. You're welcome to come see us anytime. Well, thanks for the invitation. But, uh, you know, I think that you've highlighted the danger very succinctly. It is the progressives don't, that fail to understand that as socialism becomes more and more severe, the tyranny becomes worse and you essentially progress to something like China or even worse, North Korea, where millions of people are being tortured and killed and starved to death. I mean, and all the personal freedoms are gone. There is just no liberty. And it's a form. It's not even in the language. It's, they do not know what that, that word is. That's, that, is, that is the newspeak, right? Um, and the Ministry of Truth. And that's, that's for a lot of us. And as I mentioned, a lot of Europeans are really worked up over this. Uh, maybe they're more woke than uh, many Americans are. But the... Trusted News Initiative is about as Orwellian as you can get. And it, it basically is reinforcing that if you don't use the language that the World Health Organization uses and the CDC or whatever your national health authority, you will not be allowed to speak. And, and you will have to use and think the language and the thoughts that we want you to use and think. And we can say, oh, it's all for the good or, you know, the better good because everybody needs to get vaccinated. Well, I think that's false, um, but you may not. That's your right. Uh, but don't force me to do something just because you believe it. But the, the bigger picture, as you point out, is that what next? You know, if, if we can do it for this, well, maybe we can do it for other things. And maybe it's okay. Maybe it's, it's for the greater good. Uh, um, and, uh, and if there is ever a slippery slope, that's it. Uh, and, and it's kind of a wake-up moment, you know. This is a red pill moment, my friends. Uh, you you want to live in the Matrix uh, or not? Uh, it's a pretty good metaphor. And, and, and I, I, I just want to give a shout-out to your courage and uh, your leadership. And um, and our common cause in in uh, whether we agree on this adverse event or that adverse event or this data set or that data set, I got I will go to the trenches to fight for our ability to have that discussion. That's right. <laughs> and uh, and that's how science has to be. Right. We have to have that dynamic tension or we go right down. It is the road to hell. And it's called that's, groupthink. Yeah. And that's where we're at now. That is what yep. the current system is. It, we've almost everyone dismisses science because it's been so bastardized. But if the science was being done like you understand and have applied your whole career, it wouldn't be a problem because that's there is great value in properly applied science. But it's not being done that way. It's corrupted and conflicted. So thank you. I, I think it's it's systemic. And the problem you mentioned about the NIH money, uh, it, it is intensely corrupting and has corrupted modern academia. And, and as uh, Dr. Bridal has shown, 
explicitly. Modern academia is a very sick and twisted place, in my opinion. And uh, that is in part because of the influence of money. What a surprise. (laughs) And there's a few courageous people like yourself, and I would certainly put Peter McCullough in that group who, you know, have the courage and the bravery to stand out despite what the significant repercussions are to your personal life. So thank you for everything you're doing and will continue to do. The, the world needs people like you. Really does. Thank you're you, sir. Bird. And, uh, and you also. So it's been a pleasure and hope we get a chance to talk again. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Now, what's funny about COVID-19 is uh, in this other video we just put out concerning all this on Sermon Audio last week uh, is the fact that this this Dr. McCulloch, uh, McCulloch or however you say his name, uh, he says that the original vaccines were meant to gun down COVID-19, but now they got some other variants coming up. And so the original vaccines were meant to deal with that one item. But with these other variants, it doesn't deal with any variants off of that. It only deals with the one it was supposed to be dealing with and not the other stuff. So immediately it, it's becomes obvious that it's not going to do what it's supposed to be doing uh, as far as that. And even then, it's not 100%. Uh, and and it, he really got into all kinds of medical, technical details that were way beyond my my uh, job description. <laughs> you know, I'm understanding all this medical jargon he was spitting out, and he was spitting it out a mile a minute because uh, right. he's a big-time doctor. Uh, but... Uh, Anyway, so right there, in it, what I've said all along is just use common sense. Why do you need a vaccine that's got a 99.7 chance uh, against, you know, something that's got a 99.7 chance of not killing you? It's not going to kill you. It's going to be like a flu or something. <laughs> Why do you need that? Uh, you know, and I, to me, it just makes no sense. They, they sell it through fear, you know. The- exactly. That's the idea. Fear. That's the agenda right there. And then, and then it and then it goes right back to, will there be faith? I mean, on this earth, it, you know, because it's either you have faith or you have fear, and they seem to be opposites. You know, Richard used to always do uh, his programs. They would call it contrast. And that's really what we're seeing here is a contrast between faith and fear, the propagators of their fear, are the Jesuit tree in, in our government, you know, the Fauci's, the yeah. Collins and the Redfield. Um, and then you have faith and uh, it's opposite. And uh, people, everyone that I've ever met that's made a decision to be vaccinated, it's all based on fear. And yeah. the, the, some will say, oh, it's not fear. It's like my, my wife wanted me to get it. Well, what are you afraid of? You're afraid that your wife would leave you if you didn't take the vaccine. So it all comes down to fear. Fear, fear, fear. And it shows a lack of trust in God, a lack of trust in God, because the climate change, the world's going to end like God can't control the weather and anything else. I mean, like, oh, we got to we got to reduce the human population down to five billion people. And we got to we got to do all this stuff uh, to save the planet and, you know, recycle everything and whatever we have to do. But uh there's a lack of trust and a no belief 
in God. They're, they, you know, they just don't believe God's there. They're, they're, that's a secular worldview. And all this ties right into that. And if people had that trust and faith in God, they wouldn't be worried about all this stuff. I mean, it's the, you know, the human, humans are still here after all these thousands of years. So the Ten Commandments, which came down from God to Moses on Mount Sinai. Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Three, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Five, honor thy father and thy mother. Six, thou shalt not kill. Seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Eight, thou shalt not steal. Nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. Ten, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, wife, or possessions. The Ten Commandments is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. There's some comments I'd like to add here concerning them when it comes to government and the Ten Commandments. I want to thank Matt Barber, who's the founder and editor-in-chief of barbwire.com. He is an author, columnist, cultural analyst, and an attorney concentrating in constitutional law. Uh, and it's his comments I'll be utilizing in showing how government is at war with the laws of God. One, thou shalt have no gods before me. At worst, liberalism. Now, liberalism is what is infesting sort of like a disease or cancer in human governments around the world, and particularly here in America, and particularly demonstrated in America by the Democrat Party. At worst, liberalism denies the very existence of God in the forms of atheism and secularism, while at best it adopts that wonderfully inclusive blasphemy called religious pluralism. Pluralism presumes to give the false gods of false religions equal footing and denies Christ as he defined himself, quote, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, end quote, John 14, 6. Liberal Christianity falls under this category. It's pluralism with a Christian stamp. Secular humanism, liberalism's prevailing false religion, denies God altogether and crowns man as king over himself and the measure of all things. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Two, thou shalt not make graven images. We're talking idolatry here. Liberalism is built on it. First, there's literal idolatry, the worship of man-made idols, animals, or inanimate objects enjoyed by our New Age friends. And then there's everything else, pantheistic environmentalism, the idols of reproductive freedom, sexual liberation and equality, etc. Essentially, liberalism worships the created over the creator. Liberalism also worships the sins of the flesh. See commandments numbers 1, 6, and 7. 3. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. To deny God is to take the Lord's name in vain. To deny God as he defines himself is to take the Lord's name in vain. 
to misrepresent God, to call other gods God, or to deny the deity of Christ is to take the Lord's name in vain. Liberalism does this and much more. Many liberals also mock Christ, Christianity, and Christians. They revile the exclusive nature of Jesus, his commands, and his faithful followers. They hate truth. Four, remember to keep holy the Sabbath. This one is a bit tricky, as it is widely understood to fall under the Jewish ceremonial law, not the moral law, the old covenant, not the new. Christ himself healed, worked on the Sabbath. That said, many Christians still view Sunday as the Sabbath and do indeed keep it holy. Not all liberals, there are certainly liberal Jews, but liberalism at large denies the Sabbath any significance whatsoever, much less a holy significance. 5. Honor thy father and thy mother. Liberalism seeks to supplant parents with progressive government. It diminishes parental rights, and encourages children to rebel against the antiquated conventions held by mom and dad. It denies that children even need a mother and father and bristles at the heteronormative lack of gender neutrality inherent within the very words mother and father. The sin-centered, counter-biblical notion of gay marriage desecrates God's design for true marriage and family and is intended to undermine these cornerstone institutions. 6. Thou shalt not murder. Abortion, euthanasia, pro-choice, reproductive rights, death with dignity. Need I say more? Sacrosanct is the liberal rite of passage for a feminist mother to slaughter her own child in the womb. 55 million dead babies later, liberals continue to worship at the pagan altar of choice. See commandments number one and two. Seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. This means all sexual immorality as identified in the scriptures to include marital infidelity, fornication, homosexuality, bestiality, incest, et al., Liberalism, it seems, embraces all perversions of God's design for human sexuality. Central to liberalism is moral relativism. When it comes to sex, you can do no wrong because there is no wrong. 8. Thou shalt not steal. With class warfare as its fuel, liberalism embraces the redistributionist philosophies of Marx and Engels. Liberalism thrives on theft like some completely incompetent and inefficient Robin Hood, liberal government steals from the middle class to give to the poor, thereby ensuring that liberal politicians remain in power and everyone else remains miserable. 9. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I give you Saul Alinsky from his Rules for Radicals book, The Third Rule of Ethics, of means and ends is that in war the end justifies almost any means, end quote. As we've learned from Barack, you can keep your insurance Obama. That includes lying. Liberals lie. That's what they do. The end justifies the means. Bearing false witness against detractors of liberalism is par for the course. 10. Thou shalt not covet. Again, liberalism uses man's inheritance.
inherent covetousness as the driving force behind all liberal economic policies, creating a political climate of economic envy and class warfare gives liberal government the cover needed to take wealth from those who produce and redistribute it to those who don't. Not only does liberalism violate the commandment, but liberalism commands its adherents to do the exact opposite. Thou shalt covet. As Satan masquerades as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, so too does liberalism masquerade as good. It's deceptively packaged in flowery euphemisms and feel-good sound bites that promise equality, tolerance, and libertine notions of social justice. Yet in reality, liberalism, in both philosophical and practical terms, simply signifies man's predisposition to call evil good and good evil, its sin, all dolled up and doled out. Ronald Reagan once quipped, I have wondered at times what the Ten Commandments would have looked like if Moses had run them through the U.S. Congress, end quote. If the Gipper had lived another couple decades, he might have found out. All right. Uh, I'd like to mention a few things as we've been going on all this information. And I've got some links and video information I'd like to bring up to for the, the folks at home uh, to check into. And one is about uh, the nasal swab. You know, these things are like 90% false. You know, <laughs> when you get a test for COVID-19, uh, it, it, it's really, I mean, I, there was some governor or some politician uh, a few months back that uh, tested positive for COVID-19 after he had a navel swab, and he didn't like it. And so he went somewhere else and they had one done and it tested, taken and tested negative. <laughs> so, so, you know, he broke even on that one because these things are unreliable uh, when they give you a navel swab because you get false positives. Uh, and they're also dangerous from what they use to, to figure it out. Uh, so uh, hear this nasal swab warning. I want people to know about that. While doing the production of this video... Two members of the church I attend, Dayspring Fellowship in Austin, Texas, were diagnosed as having COVID-19. And here's a picture of them. One is Daryl and the other is Julia. And they're totally recovered from their ailments of this situation. And you can see they're happy about it. But anyway, I was curious as to what went on with the both of them in this situation. Okay, now I have two emails I received from them, and they gave me permission to put this in the video. So first of all, I'll go with Daryl here. Here's an email that was sent between Daryl and me. I had asked at church for both of them to send me a response to their COVID situation, and they did. And here's what he said. Larry, your message was well stated. My initial symptoms were a slight headache at the top of my head. I thought this was odd, and spells of dizziness. The following morning, I had some chest discomfort, so I home tested. It was positive. Now, what he's talking about is he had a home test for COVID, and it was positive. My symptoms never got worse, 
Two days later, I retested at the Austin's VA drive through clinic. After three days, my test results came back negative. So here he's testing positive. Then he goes to the VA drive through clinic and tests negative. A day after taking my second test, I received the monoclonal antibody infusion treatment in which I had no side effects and felt 100% soon afterwards. Thanks again for your research, my brother. He's referring to the work I've done on this video. Okay, and of course, up above there, my response to what he says, my thanking him and giving a little additional information about the treatment he got in this situation. Now, with Julia, here's what she said. Larry, I enjoy speaking with you today. Here are the promised resources. Number one, the following is a week-old video featuring Drs. Gert Van Busch and Robert Malone, the inventor and key architect of the mRNA platform upon which the COVID vaccines are created, discussing COVID and the risk of the vaccine. Of particular interest is Dr. Vanden Bush's illustration explaining how COVID vaccinations are causing more infectious and dangerous mutations of the virus, and that only unvaccinated people in sufficient numbers can contain the viral mutation and spread. And she gives a link to that particular video. Then point two, the following is the homepage of the Great Barrington Declaration. Its international signatories are all medical doctors. It has excellent resources and some very impressive physicians who are risking much to honor the oath to do no harm. You will appreciate its concise and trenchant presentation of the materials. And there's your link to that video. Three, Dr. Robert Malone's Twitter feed. Just like Tucker Carlson I am amazed our technical oligarchs continue to allow Dr. Malone to tweet. He tweets rather frequently and is always very informative without sensationalism. And the link is there. Four, the Spartacus letter is a dense read, but I discovered it by reading Dr. Malone's retweets. It is about 14 pages long, but the footnotes expand the link to about 45 pages. It is written anonymously by a person with obvious and intimate knowledge of the subject matter. If you slog through the medical jargon, most, but not all of it, which is explained, you will find yourself with a much greater grasp of the subject matter. There's your link. I know your time is precious. I hope these resources are helpful to you. I have much more, but I think these represent the best. And his love, Julia. P.S. Just remember to add me to your subscription list. She's talking about our YouTube channel. But anyway, there she fully recovered from COVID. And she's giving all this data that would confirm what we've been saying in this entire video. Hopefully that will be of help to some people. Uh, first U.S. doctor certifies a vaccine injury. We've got a, a video here about that. Uh, like you say, some of these... these, these uh, Videos here that are available uh, warn about how it's designed uh, to sterilize. I already mentioned this before and also could cause cancer. Uh, then, of course, the video we put up that I mentioned before that we put up on Sermon Audio uh, a little while ago, COVID shot killing large numbers, warns top COVID doctor Peter McCullough. 
And, of course, people can, can see him here in these clips that we're going to show uh, about this stuff. And uh, then one other thing, uh, a little bit of info here about, uh, and, and my guest here, uh, Greg, had mentioned this already, about these these fake diseases and scares. He had talked about the AIDS thing and some of the stuff, and I've got some information here to go with that. That, t- that actually backs up what Greg was saying earlier in this broadcast. So, Greg, uh, I was talking about how people are living on fear and they don't trust God, and uh, they 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 just believe all these these brain doctors uh, that uh, are brainwashing them and flooding their minds with lies. So uh, I think that's one of the reasons people take the broad road to destruction, as mentioned in Matthew chapter seven. So go ahead. What do you have to say about this? Well, I I definitely agree with your statement, uh, Larry, and. It's it's really uh, grieves me to see how uh, there's a, a, an all-out assault on the evangelical church in America um, through the organization known as BioLogos, and uh, I was they're always having updates promoting this um, scamdemic, and uh, which it was the organization was originally founded by Francis Collins, who's the head of the NIH, but uh, they have a uh, what's called the BioLogos statement, and there's a a list of uh, those who have signed on to this statement, and it's well over 7,000. You can actually go and, you know, see the signatures. And to me, it was it was like a who's who and the broad road that leads to destruction. And these are professed Bible-believing people that have been completely uh, lied to and bought into this game of fear. And that's what it is. It is a game of fear. And the people that are going down that broad road are being herded by being forced into being fearful. And that's where a trust in God and his word uh, is at, at this is the crossroads that we're at. You know, it's almost as if there's a separation of sheep and goats at this point, because those that are running into this broad road of destruction uh, they they're they don't, they 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 are being driven by fear and not by faith. Well, that was well said, Greg. In fact, the word of God agrees with you. In Revelation twenty one eight, reading from a ESV, it says, "But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars." Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So the list of those going to hell is led by the cowardly and the faithless. So you were exactly correct. You know, the Bible says you're totally right on this fear factor yeah it's the fear and you know that that's the work of satan you know it's is it's through the fear of death you know he he is the uh that's his game is death that's what he's all about he brought about death and uh and it's through propagating a fear of that death that he's able to control and enslave people and um i think you can find that in, in hebrews um, and that's really what's happening because <clears throat> the masters behind this scamdemic are, are, 
propagating fear. They're the masters of fear and their whole game is death. And uh, I think that's at the end of that, uh, uh, at the end of this whole uh, shot agenda, this experimental drug, that's my, it's maybe what we're going to see on a grand scale. Yeah. Because if, if my little opinion or theory is correct, uh, because these secularists really do believe in that global warming garbage about how we need to reduce the earth population, what better way to do it when you get billions of people vaccinated with something that's going to harm their bodies and sterilize them and all the rest of it? So uh, it makes sense. But uh, anyway, you mentioned earlier, too, that you've got evangelicals really buying into all this fear and, and uh, cowardice. Uh, so we've got a video called 87% of evangelicals do not know what the gospel is or what, by, what justification by faith is. 87% don't know. That's why they can so easily embrace Roman Catholicism or any or any phony thing, you know, because they don't know what the gospel is. They don't know their Bibles. They don't know what justification by faith is. They've never been born again. And this is 87% of evangelicals. So it makes sense when you say all these evangelicals, and you said that list that they signed, you know, all those 7,000 names and stuff like that, uh, that just proves the point right there. So... Anyway, brother, uh, we're about out of time here. Uh, you have any final words to say or anything to say about uh, your ministry at Brian Beacon? Well, uh, we appreciate those that uh, come and, and visit us on the Brian Beacon and share our, our resource that we provide, um, our videos, our articles. And uh, we have a newsletter that goes out uh, usually once a month, if not more, um, and you can sign up for free for our newsletter on our website, brianbeacon.org. And um, I would just uh, pray that, uh, that those who are Christians are discerning and they're exercising their faith and they're uh, looking uh, underneath the rug to see really what's happening around them and uh, that, that God might raise them up to be a standard, I think, in a, in a dark time uh, to proclaim truth and uh, and I appreciate the fact that you, you know, had me on your program today, Larry. It's been uh, good to see you. And, good to see uh, you too. Looking forward to another chance we could talk again. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with me, and in uh, good old remembrance of Richard Bennett and carrying on the fight, you know, as 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 we do here, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, as it says in Jude three. Well, with that, I'm going to sign off, Greg, uh, uh, for our viewers here. I'm Larry Wessels, Director of Christian Answers. I want to thank you all for being with us. Uh, just remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And that has to be the Jesus of the Scripture, the Jesus of the Bible. It's not some phony Jesus, not some Roman Catholic Jesus. That's a wafer that you eat at a, a mass or something like that. So you've, you've got to have the right Jesus. You've got to have the right God, the right gospel, and just know the truth. And you only know the truth by studying the word of God. And that's the way, that way you too can have a beat up, worn out Bible that almost falls apart in your hand when you pick it up. 
I, good thing I use a lot of tape. But anyway, God bless you. God bless you all for joining us. Thank you again. Bye-bye. There was a baptism going on in a church in London uh, over the weekend, and the police busted in and threw, threw everybody out except for the last 15 people who could watch the baptism, baptismal service uh, going on. But everybody else, uh, social distancing. You got to have your social distancing. And we all sit around going, uh, we read those stories here in the U.S. And when you think of social distancing, what do you think of? Six feet. That's not what it is there. Because, see, there, there is no number. It's made up. It's made up. Um, it's different countries have different numbers. And evidently, the virus obeys whatever country it's in. No, actually, it doesn't obey any of that stuff. Because like I said in the last program, you can have military-level uh, quarantine. And, 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 you know, and they, had, they had the antibacterial, antiviral wipes, which, with the, with the slightest sneeze, disappear from your local stores because uh, nobody can keep them in stock. Uh, they had all that kind of stuff. We don't have. You, you can't stop it. A virus is going to virus. And all this stuff they're doing, I was watching a video this morning of a guy who was going through and showing all the case numbers, and, and uh, then he'd put the arrow up as to where the mask mandate started. <laughs> and it was always down at the bottom, didn't do anything to keep the thing from going up, because it doesn't do anything. We all know it now. Oh, well, okay, I'll take that back. There are some people who are desperate to believe it, just desperate to believe it. Doesn't matter what the facts show. Doesn't matter what the studies show. You can you can point them to medical journal after medical journal after medical journal, and they just don't care. They they they're desperate to believe it because they're so panicked. They're so afraid of uh, walking outside their own the door of their own house. I'm hearing more and more stories about people who have been in their houses since March. Since March, they 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 haven't gone out. They're having food delivered. They, can you imagine? I, I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, that's that's not that's a that's that's hor- that's horrific. It's terrible. But, um, anyways, those those folks are are they want to believe it? They 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 want to do it. So the point is, if the if the government right now is breaking into churches and stopping baptismal services, to all on the premise that this somehow is going to do something, when all the evidence shows it does nothing at all. It doesn't do any of that stuff. Um, that kind of authoritarianism will then be utilized to control every aspect of society, and that includes the education of children. And the foundation in America where we have resisted this, has been based upon our claim that it's the family that has that responsibility. Once, however, you destroy all the jobs of the middle class and the the poor um, and make them all wards of the state, and that's where this universal minimum income stuff's coming from, which would just be just enough to get by, and live in your one-room apartment, and not get married, not have children, and that's what they want. That's what the Great Reset wants. They want to make it impossible. They want, first of all, they want everyone to be a ward of the state. 
because then you will always vote the right way as if your votes really mattered. It, but it's always best to have it look good. Okay. Uh, once you're dependent upon the state, you'll always vote for the, the state that will give you more and more stuff. And so they want you to depend upon the state. Then the state can medicate you. The state can force whatever they want into you. And just as in China, the state can tell you how many children you can have. And that way they can start pairing, because from, from their perspective, way too many humans. Way too many. you gotta got to cut it back. Got to cut it back. So the only way to do that, start cutting back on, uh, on the number of children you can have. And if you can't, if you can barely afford to feed yourself, your wife, and a child, um, then that's really, really, really easy to, to make that work. It's, it's, it's just a part of how it works. So that, that kind of totalitarianism, again, some of you, ah, that white guy, he is such a conspiracy nut. And that's when I said mail-in voting was going to cause a, oh, you're a conspiracy now. We've been doing it for years. Okay, there you go. Uh, so yeah, uh, hold on to your old dictionaries. They are, uh, they will be a goldmine of, uh, of information. Um, I noticed uh, also very, very troubling uh, is the fact that uh, not only did you have Immediately after the election, um, Pete Buttigieg and, and people associated with him starting these uh, websites to uh, track people who were on the wrong side of history and, and make sure they never do that again. Again, anyone who is familiar with, even familiar with, I mean, it's not like I've read a billion books on the subject, but if you're just paying attention uh, to what was going on in the Soviet bloc, from the 1950s to the 1980s, then you know this is how it works in those situations. When you have totalitarianism, um, you you have absolute state control and you have punishment of anyone who would would be a dissident and who would would dare. I mean, look at... Would you really want to run against Putin? Now, Putin may be stepping down. He He may have some type of cancer or something. Who knows? Um, but in, in years past, would you want to run against Putin? How many of, of the people who ran against Putin died of radioactive poisoning? Darts from umbrellas. I mean, just amazing things. And in all these third, you know, second and third world countries, and in, in, down in Central America and South America, uh, it's so obvious that when you try to go against the party, um, you will be destroyed. They will destroy you. And now we're seeing it here. They're, do- they're following the exact same playbook because they know that a sufficient percentage of the American population is so ignorant of history, doesn't care about it, doesn't know. We used to laugh in the 1990s at jaywalking. Remember? Some of you don't remember. But Jay Leno would go out and he would do interviews. Some of you don't even know who Jay Leno is um, or was. But he would go out and he'd do interviews with people on the street and ask them basic questions, show them pictures of presidents from only 10 years earlier or something along those lines. And the level of ignorance of not only current events, but of the history of the United States, 
uh, who fought in the Civil War? Um, uh, who won the Civil War? I mean, just just an amazing, you know, amazingly simplistic questions like this. And college graduates, university students. I remember this one woman who was who was in in university uh, in the training to be a teacher, and her ignorance of the history of the United States was. Absolutely astonishing. Now, we laughed back then. Now they're in charge. Those very same people have been uh, co-opted by a socialist mindset, and they're in charge. And, you know, if an alien was watching this, did anyone see uh, back in the 90s, there was a movie called uh, Contact, and it was all the Carl Sagan, SETI stuff. Uh, and that one super liberal female actress was in it, whatever her name was. Anyway, and um, uh, but uh, when f- contact was finally made with this extraterrestrial life, they sent back to us the first images we sent out on television which were uh, the Nazis and the, the Olympic Games in, what was it, 38, something like that, um, 36 or 38. And uh, that freaked everybody out that, you know, some of the first images sent by aliens back to us are of the Nazis. Uh, but if they were sitting out there watching all of this and cataloging our history based upon what we have transmitted out into space, uh, I can just imagine them sitting there going, you know, this didn't turn out real well last time, <laughs> and y'all are going to do it again? Uh, we need to move on. There is no intelligent life on this planet, uh, because it, that that's that's the case. But they who ignore history are doomed to repeat it, and those who study it are doomed to sit around and watch the people who have ignored it repeat it and with, without them being able to do anything about it.